0: baby boomer tales here I am just me this little bitty room all kinds of people out there in the sanctuary I'm supposed to stand up there look out that big picture window all those pine trees where is that preacher he's late hope John and Don can find him. in the meantime here I am by myself How'd I ever get myself into this situation? God, if I'm not supposed to be here, find some way for me to escape. When I was a kid growing up, my mom and dad, my aunts and uncles, and my grandma and grandpa were basically the model for a good marriage that I had. I never even really thought much about it. I just always took it for granted. I never heard much fighting at all between my mom and dad. In fact, I'm not sure I ever witnessed a fight they had. As far as I knew, my aunts and uncles got along famously and my grandma and grandpa were just always there. When I got a little older, I always had girlfriends and I spoke of this once before where I had a girlfriend my senior year of high school that wanted to get married and I did not even entertain that at all and It came to the demise of our relationship, sadly. I was happy-go-lucky. Everything was good. Everything was right. I had girlfriends, and I didn't have girlfriends, and I had girlfriends again. About the time I was 22 years old, I lived up at the Jap camp, which was a cluster of three or four cabins there, barn and sheds, chicken coops. And I met a girl, and she moved from back east somewhere just because we liked each other. And after she moved back here, our relationship became strained, and we broke up. No big deal. About three days later, I came home to my little cabin. I had a partner named Roger that we'd fixed this cabin up, blood, sweat, and tears. It was a nice little cabin. We had parties and girls over and stuff while I walked in. There was that old girlfriend of mine, and she had moved in with my partner, Roger. Things were definitely strained. I couldn't believe it happened. And so I went down to the old shed, which had a dirt floor, nothing on the windows, nothing on the doors. And I rebuilt wood stove from parts I found in some old irrigation ditches, put a blanket on the door, clear plastic on the windows, and I moved in. So I moved out of my nice little cabin and into the shed, and I proceeded to spend the winter there, and it was a tough winter. It was hard, and if it was 40 below outside, it was 45 below inside in the morning when I woke up, because there was no sun or anything, and I darn near froze to death, and I quit bathing, hardly ate anything, didn't see any girls. I tried that a couple times, but I stunk and I was probably going a little crazy. And I lost any confidence I had with the female population whatsoever between being dumped by a girl, which wasn't a big deal, but her moving in with my partner there, moving me right out. I was just one step above a homeless person and too stubborn to actually do anything about it. And I really did lose confidence talking to girls. Well, I finally moved out of that situation and I realized that it wasn't good for a man to be alone. I was a man. I was 22, 23 years old by then. I referred to myself in this era of my life a lot of times as a man-child, but I think that situation I had just come out of really made me grow up a lot. I started wishing that I had a woman that I could depend on, maybe live with. Who knows, maybe someday even get married. First time I really thought like that my whole entire life. So I tried going to the bar, because where else you going to meet a girl? And I don't know about you, but the bar has never been a place for me. Basically, the only time I would go to a bar is if I wanted to shoot some pool. I used to like to shoot pool, but I'd look for a nice, quiet, dark bar. Instead of one of these places where all the single young people were hanging out trying to pick up and get picked up, anytime i go to one of those kind of places, it just was not for me. I would just go to meet a girl, and I knew in my heart of hearts that I would never meet a girl that meant really something deeply to me in a bar. It got so bad, I started asking God to help me find a girl Now you have to know my relationship with God is I knew about him, but I didn't know him. So it was probably pretty much like me walking up to some stranger on the street and asking him for a million dollars. Well, I kept asking anyway, and I'd go to the bar and I'd come back home dejected and forlorn, and I didn't know what the heck was going on. Now this doesn't mean that I didn't have dates and that I didn't meet girls that I didn't have fun with girls and have a good old time because I did but everything was empty and shallow for me and I'm sure that the way I conducted myself towards young ladies I was sporting about there is as equally empty and shallow for them. As the years rolled by I was starting to wonder if I'd ever find a woman that I could share my life with I did figure that I had sowed so many bad seeds over my life that it was possible that I was destined to roam this earth alone, just me and my dogs, and I couldn't accept that at all. So I went down to the bank, and I decided I was going to try a different approach. I went in and talked to old Dick at the bank and borrowed $3,000 against my pickup truck And I started taking girls out for fancy lobster dinners. One right after the other, after the other, after the other. With no success and no satisfaction. But I was crazy enough to not even realize that I was just throwing my money away. Because I was yelling into the wind. And nobody could hear me. Well, I was taking out this little gal that she was pretty cute. But she kind of liked this other guy. So that was one of those things that... Even though I liked her, she didn't like me, and I felt like I was in junior high school. But like the true trooper that I was trying to be, I kept beating my head against the door, thinking maybe if I could do it just one more time, everything would be okay. Isn't that kind of the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result? Well, anyway... During this time, I was working at the mine. I'd been there a couple years. It was okay. The guys always wanted to go to the bar after swing shift, and that was a little miserable for me. I'd rather just gone home, watch the Untouchables on TV, than go to bed, but I went with them, drank a beer or two, and then we went home. I remember one time I was talking to this girl, and I kind of knew her, and thinking, you know, she's kind of pretty. All of a sudden, this guy came up, and I knew him very well. He told me to get out of out of his seat. That's his girlfriend I was talking to. And I said, what do you mean you're married, man? Didn't matter. Get out of my seat. Well, instead of getting into a big old fight over a girl that I didn't even really know I liked or not, I just left scratching my head thinking, okay, this guy's married, and he doesn't even appreciate it. I couldn't be that way. I know I couldn't. It was instilled in me, at a very young age, the importance that your woman has in your life. And I never really had much problem with that, ever. I was usually a pretty loyal boyfriend, even though I wasn't a very steady one, and I wasn't a very long-lasting one. At least I was loyal. Well, one day, after a graveyard shift, my friend called me at home, told me to come over to the grocery store where she worked, She was wife of a good friend of mine. So she was my friend. Walked in there. She introduced me to this girl. Didn't know what to do, what to say. Very awkward moment. We were just kind of standing there. All of a sudden, my friend Vicky had to go help somebody at the store. So we were looking at each other. This girl's name was Kim. And awkwardly, I said, well, you want to go out and get some dinner or something? She agreed. So I went back home. Took her to dinner and it was still during my time I hadn't run out of money from my bank loan, buying girls lobster dinners, and by golly we had a lobster dinner. Then we went to a little party, then I took her home, figuring that was that, that was okay. Well, it's weird how things work out. Started seeing her everywhere, which I had never seen her, to my knowledge, but once before. And Before you know it, we were going out semi-regular, and all of a sudden, I moved from my place into my buddy John's house. His wife and him had just gone through a divorce. He needed a roommate, and I needed to get out of the place I was living. So I moved in there, and John was a good guy, but his house was cold. You could tell that he wasn't over the divorce at all. That's the only way I could describe it. It was kind of weird living there with him. He was a pretty good friend of mine, but the next thing I knew, I was moving in with Kim. John wasn't very happy about it, and he told me so. And I says, hey, you know, I've only lived here a month, man. Give me a break. Well, Kim and I lived together for a few months, maybe six. We'd gone together for months. And I can't really remember the circumstances, how we moved in together. But I do know that this little house in this little town, about 19 miles from my hometown, little house came available, and we moved in, set up shop. Well, we were living there pretty happily. We had a lot in common, and yet we were so different from each other, it was unreal. And I think that's what made me really like her, that she wasn't like any of the other girls I'd ever taken out at all. She wasn't shy, yet she wasn't really pushy. She didn't really care if what she did made me happy, and yet I was never unhappy with her. It was just like putting your foot in a nice sock. Or your hand in a very nice glove. It was just right and felt good. Or at least it didn't feel bad. We were happy there in that little house. By the train tracks, that train would come by and kind of shake the house. At first I didn't like it because it was too close to the tracks. But then it became a comfort feeling for me. Well, one day she came home and said, My mom and dad are coming to visit. I go, okay she said you don't understand last time they came and visited i was with this other guy and i cannot do that again so i would like for you and me to get married and that would make it all probably pretty good with my parents i said i am not going to get married now you have to remember i used to ask god you know that guy on the street that was walking down the street and i was asking him for a million dollars and here he bestowed to me the million dollars, a pure stranger, and I'm rejecting it. Well, I did reject it. So she packed up her goods over the next couple days. She said, I can't live here. I can't do that to my parents. And I'm done doing that kind of stuff to myself. I think I love you, but I can't live with you. And she left. And I sat there all smug and stubborn. My arms crossed, and all the air rushed out of my life. And my friend from the street kind of whispered to me that, you sure you want to drop that million dollars? Sure you want to just walk away from that? And I ran out, and I looked for her, and I searched for her, and I found her. And I said, I am sorry. Let's get married. All of a sudden, it was a whirlwind because her parents were coming in a couple of weeks. And I informed her I didn't know anything about this stuff, but I'd gladly show up, but I can't do any of that. And my wife, or girlfriend at the time, fiance, let's don't call her that. I hate that term. I just soon that was dropped from the English language. My girlfriend whipped that sucker together just like that. And two weeks later, she borrowed my pickup truck drove over the mountain pass to denver picked her parents up at the airport brought them back we all went to the rehearsal dinner in my hometown my parents and her parents and all my brothers and sisters met her brothers and sisters we had the rehearsal and the rehearsal dinner well the next day the morning of my wedding day my dogs were nowhere to be found they're gone Well, this was my last chance to back out of anything with any kind of dignity at all. I knew that. I didn't want to look like a coward, but I wanted to find my dogs. Actually, I was very much a coward because my dogs would have come home. Golly gosh, people see them up on the continental divide. They'd come home with some kind of random bone or skull two or three days later sometimes. But for some reason, I told Kim, we can't get married till we find the dogs. Well, we drove all around, all on the logging roads, up and down the highway, all over the place looking for those dogs. Finally, the time came where we had to go back to the house and get our stuff to go to the church to be on time for the wedding. And there the dogs were. I can't say I was disappointed they came back, even though I may have acted that way. I think deep down inside, I was glad they did. Those guys were really the only family I'd had living with me for a long time until she came into my life. So I told the dogs to stay. We got my truck, and we went up to the lake town where the little church was that we were going to get married in, same church that my parents had been married in 29, 30 years before. And we walked in and somebody took Kim down to the basement where her flower girls and bridesmaids were. I was escorted into that little room right off the sanctuary. And this is where my little story started. I sat there asking God if there is any way to get me out of this. I was reminded of my million dollars in the form of the best woman I'd ever, ever have a chance to share my life with. So here came Charlie the preacher with my brothers who walked in. I got a couple little orders from the preacher on what to do and how to do it and when to do it and etc. etc. And we walked out there and I went out and stood up there at the podium looking at that beautiful huge window with all the pine trees on the other side of the glass. My bride walked down the aisle with her dad came up and stood by me we listened to charlie tell about wedding vows and then we said our vows and we exchanged rings. and when it came her turn to give me my ring i held out my left hand and she said for all the congregation to hear you've given me the wrong hand so after a moment of confusion everybody laughed and i received my ring and put her ring on her. And I kissed my bride, and then we hugged. We hugged like I never wanted to ever let her go. And we're still hugging today, and we've never let go. Grandsons and granddaughters, we now pass the story on to you. You can find us at babyboomertales.com. Once there, you can find links to our Facebook page and places where you can listen to our podcast. Always be kind everywhere you go. You never know when God will drop a million dollars into your life. I'll be back next Wednesday. Peace out.